Hello friends, Zach here. Today is a very special episode. We talked to songwriter Barrett Johnson. He has got a fascinating story. So you're going to hear a little bit about his songwriting process. You'll hear how he overcame crippling anxiety, unbearable vertigo, and according to him, God talks to him a lot. And it's clear. Just a really interesting guy. He shares a couple new songs with us. And on this episode, it's, it's a little bit different, a little bit more produced. You'll hear some of his music spliced in amongst his story. So I think you're going to like it. Definitely let us know what you think about this or any other episode on socials at Bros Bibles Beer. And show notes and resources can be found at bbbpod.com. And special thanks to my good friend, Andy McCraw. We recorded this episode at his house in his studio, his palatial estate, and he contributes as well to this podcast. So without further ado, let's get to Barrett Johnson. Maybe soon I'll shake these scars. a week. Nice. So, want to thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us into your home and for signing a contract. That's good. I like well, that. we had one of your children sign it. Yeah, that's cool. She's a, she has power of attorney. <laughs> We're in the McCraw dojo. Andy McCraw, how would you like to be described? Husband? Yeah. Yeah. Lover? Of, guitar of, player, producer, engineer? Still accurate. Yeah, all those things. Um, I, I definitely love music and art and technology and people and Jesus and all that stuff and delicious beer. What would you not like us to describe you as? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man, anything, anything political. So you're not political. <laughs> that would be a jab. Well, no. <clears throat> Small, short, Democrat, no? Yeah, 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 I'll take all of those. It's not that I'm apolitical. It's more that I think it's a pretty challenging time to find political aspects that I feel great about, just kind of period. So I've chosen to not really have that be and the minute we mention one aspect of your politic, <laughs> yeah, right. somebody's going to hear the wrong thing and they're going to hate you. They're going to burn their devious means records. <laughs> Andy McCraw, devious yeah. means, guitar player. Yeah. He, he said a fence, but I know he meant a wall. So yeah. I don't like him. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's just that, that I made a decision years ago to not let that stuff affect me as much anymore. That's not what Is it working? It is. Yeah, it is. I break my, I break my no religious, no political discussion on Facebook maybe once every like five years. And I broke it recently, but 
It's the place where calm discourse takes place. Yeah. Thoughtful. Thoughtful. Civil. Positive. In-depth. Headline reading. Yeah. Headline maybe a sentence or two into the article if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. If it's in the summary text that came with the link. Right. That's how I do my Facebook. So you mentioned what you're drinking and it'd be bad for us to let this pass without you giving a review. Five words or less. What are you drinking and Uh, why do you like it in five words or not like it? Oh yeah. This is, this is the magical elixir, the uh, super funkadelic by Dionysus brewery. And this little gem is only can only be found in Bakersfield. They've got the worst business model in the world. They're sitting by being in back Bakersfield. By being in Bakersfield initially. Yeah, no. we're right off the fifty-eight. <laughs> yeah, they, it's it, they're trying to make it hard for you to find and buy their beer from them. <laughs> but um, this is a sour goza. I recently figured out how to say that. I saw it pronounced uh, or written out phonetically. So it's a goza style ale. It's very sour. My five words are. Do you guys remember that um, Tony Romo? And that was his five words. <laughs> Do you remember Tony Romo? No. Remember <laughs> that commercial where they say it gets you right there? It chokes yeah. you up. You okay. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, it's so sour, but gets it's right. it's amazing. Okay, yeah, it's salty too. <laughs> it is salty, but I couldn't say that, so I ran out. Um, just <laughs> imagine. So Tony Romo choke in a football game. I'm like, wow, that's really sour. That's really sour. <laughs> Salty. Oh, well, okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about my beer. It's bold. It's strong. It's black. It's wet. It, it counts. It's the, Oh, sorry. Oprah ale. <laughs> <laughs> it's caffeinated. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You get a beer. You get a beer. You get a beer. <laughs> it's well, at least for the time being. It's cholesterol it's, raising. Yeah, it's the best coffee on the planet. It's McDonald's coffee. I will mature to a ruination tonight, which is just spectacular. Only needs one word. All right, continue. All right, man. What happened to you as a child that you're drinking McDonald's coffee? Never got to do anything as a child. No candy. No caffeine. I did Cheerios and vitamins and steak. That was my life in Nebraska. <laughs> in Nebraska? <laughs> oh, in Nebraska, yeah. Big red country. We just drank steak and, oh, yeah, we drank, uh, yeah. We drank our steak. Hmm, interesting. Just purify that bovine. That actually would be pretty good. Nope. Mm. A little salt and pepper. <laughs> nope, not at all. Just goes down smooth. No. Mm. That, the, all mar- right. the marbling just coats your throat. I like the idea of the marbling, but let's just delete this last 30 seconds. <laughs> Yeah. Out both ends, Jeff. All right, (laughs) Scott. Scott's got a stone. Ruination, is that what you're doing? Five words. Five words starting now. Delicious, tasty, refreshing. I'll go with Jeff's wet and bold. So you literally just want to say five separate words. That works too. I like how you looked at the glass every time you said a word. Just for verification. Colorful. That's not more, white. That's fine. I have, I have a. Uh, well, we already did colors last episode. We talked color. I was disappointed with that. Don't bring that up. All right, acoustic ales brewing experiment mosh pit. 
It's a hoppy red. It is 6.66% alcohol. And the picture is a lady. It, she does appear to be in a mosh pit surrounded by no one. Wow. Uh, she's got devil horns and red skin. The best sunburn you've ever seen. Looks like her tail is made out of a chain. Hmm. But um, there's so much imagery. Yeah. <laughs> mosh pits and acoustics. That's what I think of. Those two together all the time. Wait, I can't see it, Zach. If it's a mosh pit and you and she's the only one. Okay. Good observation. Got it. All right. Now that I see What's it. What's that dancing called where they don't want anyone near them? Tweaking. They're flailing their arms about. They're tweaking. <laughs> it's, it was, you mean tweaking. twerking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although tweaking might be a little more accurate. <laughs> I'm laughing off mic. <laughs> Laugh on mic. You know, when Miley Cyrus was tweaking on stage, that got a lot of controversy. She probably should have been arrested. She probably was tweaking on stage as well. <laughs> Mine is fine, beautiful, robust, um, malty. I counted, um, all right, let's move on to Barrett, Barrett Johnson. How are you? Good, man. You're the reason we're here. We talked a lot about Andy. Oh. And now we're going to get to <laughs> you. Probably too much. Now Andy's done. Just You just watch those knobs over there, Andy. Yeah. I'm just kidding. There's too many ones and zeros. Now, how do you and Andy know each other real quick? Yeah, Andy, you tell the story. Oh, yeah. So uh, a mutual friend of ours was a roommate of mine in college. He was coming down to do a show at the once known as the Detroit Bar. You guys remember the Detroit Bar? It's now the Costa Mesa? Yeah, it's now the Wayfair. And so out front, Jim goes, oh, you got to meet my friend Barrett. And then proceeded to let me know that Barrett's first album was most likely a contributor to the conception of their first child. And I said, oh, man, baby making music. Hmm. Sign me up. Wow. You could sell it as. <laughs> he did say that. He was like, I don't know if you heard that. You may have just leaned into me and say that part. So, um... <laughs> So Barrett and I, uh, we met outside. You had just finished your album, New Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm, I think so. I don't know how long it was. I mean, you you went out to the car. You got a couple. And so we hung out a little bit that night, and I bought one of your albums, and then in the didn't think anything of it. In the car, throw it in, and as I'm driving home, I start freaking out. I'm like, holy shit, this is great. And you wanted to make babies. I I called Lindsay. I'm like, are the kids in bed? (laughs) (laughs) I know I was on on the fence about that third. Let's do this. Um, But it's, but it is, it's, it's a beautiful album. It's, it's really incredible. So, um, and I'm incredibly critical, especially of local music because there's a lot of terrible local music. I've heard people talk about that asshole Andy from, from that band. Yep. When they talk about you, so you are critical. I will second that. Yeah. But having said that, it's great. The album is sick. Yeah, it's awesome. So that's where we met, and then we also had a mutual. Found out we had other mutual friends, a buddy that uh, a good buddy actually reached out. That's right. You're technically the reason. So um, I posted on Facebook. I was hiring somebody at work. I needed to hire somebody at work, and Barrett chimed in. And said, hey, you should talk to Ralph. And so got hooked up with Ralph. I hired him. 
he became um, also one of my really, really close friends and is the reason I'm, I was in the devious means. Wow. Full circle. Now, Jeff, would you say God put that together? That's possible. <sighs> sorry. We need, we need certainty out of you. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the devious means. I'm like, well, oh, that's an interesting. Oh, wait, I got a question. Jeff, <laughs> Yes. We're at his house. <laughs> <laughs> we, Scott and I went to see them yeah. and before you guys shut down a few months before you shut down at the uh, House of Blues. Oh, you came to that one too? Yeah. That was a fun one. Thanks for remembering me. That was a great show. <laughs> <laughs> so many people. It's a busy night, man. I don't know. Scott, he's really important. Yeah. We were doing a lot of drugs backstage. <laughs> Barely could stand up. So then, Barrett, why don't you take us back a little bit? Well, first of all, what you have some sort of faith now. W- would that be you have a faith? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coffin answer. I like that. Is that different than the faith you were born into? Yes. And what faith were you born in? What God were you given? Wow, that's a good one. It's the one I like to ask. I was given a God that you had to uh, appease work for his favor uh, that maybe he was mad at you. Maybe, maybe you didn't know schizophrenic God. Possibly. Okay. A God who uh, didn't like beer. That's for sure. Without a doubt. Didn't like beer. He liked wine better. Kind of like an over (laughs) overbearing, overbearing parent that needs everything to be right. Yes. That's who you're trying to serve. Yep. That's it. That's tough. One drum keeps us on the straight and the narrow as we march out. Countless candles against the black sea sky. Our strength is on and on. It's a chain that binds us and keeps us warm as we pray. Where'd you grow up? Uh, in Orange County. Okay. Yeah. Born and raised. Born and raised. So you grew up here. Were there any pivotal moments growing up, like high school, the, the typical trigger points for most kids when they get into adolescence and they start to find their own way? Uh, was there anything in that regarding your faith? Like, how did that work out for you? It, it actually wasn't as much. Um, I always believed that there was a God. Um, I just didn't really have any big changes in my life until after high school. There wasn't convictions. What's I mean, that? You, you weren't like convicted, like God's taking me here, calling me here. It was just like floating along in faith. Uh, yeah. Kind of just a secondary thing. I believed that there was a God, but you know, that was just not something I really talked about much. I I've always been a reader my whole life, but I started reading a lot more after high school. Um, started becoming a little bit more interested in, you know, uh, arguments for and against the existence of God philosophy a little bit, but that also is something that I don't really think, um, led to where I am now either. Yeah. Just gonna, were you involved? You you play guitar and we're looking forward to hearing that in just a little bit teaser, but were you involved in church with your talents, your gifts? Never, never, never interested in doing that. Really? Okay. I like that. Why not? I mean, I don't know why I like that, but well, why not? You well, just, um, go go ahead. 
Why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Let me take this one. Barrett, why not? <laughs> and you're so good. Growing up in the institutional church, I thought that the majority of the music was not something that I connected to. But also, I didn't feel like a lot of it was um, sincere. It just didn't sound like they were connecting with it, to tell you the truth. Can, just, can we name some of those songs? No. I got one. Lord, I lift. Lord, I lift your name. I was thinking that one. So no. the one that comes to mind that always... Any, I, anything off of wow worship? Wow. And you know what? Maybe that's not fair to, for me to say totally because maybe whoever is writing certain songs, maybe they really felt strongly about this. For me personally, I wasn't connecting. I should right, say that. Right. I should make that clear. Okay. That's yeah. a good clarification. Yeah. I, I have the same feeling. I remember um, Shout to the Lord. Remember Shout to the Lord. Oh, yeah. That one had energy too. I remember. I was like, this is different. <laughs> wow. But the way our church did it, it, we usually had a small choir and it usually sounded just like that. <laughs> Shout to the Lord. And I remember being junior higher, just thinking, it says shout. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Gently. So I wrote the sequel, Mumble to the Lord. It's good. I will say this. Here's an interesting one. My earliest memory in life was at a Keith Green concert yeah. when I was wow. like three years old. Oh, man. It's kind of a weird one. Yeah. Do you, do you remember his stuff? Oh, yeah. 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 My, That's your first concert. Yep. Wow. That I can remember in my life. Yeah. That's wow. awesome. It was like three or four. Mine was Barry Manilow. It's probably the same thing. <laughs> that true story. <laughs> Who actually opened for Keith Green. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody would have thought that was a pairing, but they yeah. did that one show. Turns out they were cousins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where were we? Songs. Songs yeah. and you, you playing in church. Yeah. Was playing that, in yeah. church. You had yeah, no yeah. desire. No. When did you start playing guitar? Uh, in high school. I started kind of late. Okay. Yeah. When in high school? Cause I started late too. Yeah. Like junior year started picking it up. Oh man. We shared that. Yeah. That's was that your first instrument though? Or yeah. any, any, uh-huh. nothing else before no musical training before that? No, none. Uh, okay. That's, that's awesome. What about singing? Did you, you didn't really sing. You just sing to your music that you liked probably. Yeah, Probably. I, I, I look at it more, um, I, I kind of uh, consider myself a songwriter. I, I kind of sing out of necessity. That's the way I've always looked at it. I'm excited for you to play slash for me to put in whatever music uh, the Holy Spirit guides me to put in <laughs> to this Thank episode. You, but you say you say you <laughs> sing out of necessity. Yeah. Keith Green's greatest hits. I don't I'm it's, licensing might be a bitch with those. Uh, <laughs> we have zero budget. We'll, we'll be below the radar. <laughs> Our budget is negative because of the beer we buy. <laughs> <laughs> and the power we consume. Literally yeah, plugging but, in the laptop costs wait, us money. Bear, there was no like there's no music lessons. No. And there was no, so no, no, nothing formal structured. Nope. Um, what about just general music appreciation, love of music? Hey, I'm a collector. Loved it. Yeah. So what then? <laughs> Cause obviously, um, it wasn't church music that was influencing you, but what was at that time? 
which which music was. Well, yeah, let's let's pick maybe pick that that um, little moment in time where you decide you're going to become a musician. You're going to get a guitar mm-hmm. because I still haven't decided that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a long <laughs> period of time. So when you started that though, because I think a lot of us, for me, it was similar. It was like, Oh my gosh, there are songs that I wanted to play. And so was, what was influencing you at that time? It, right. Right. When I was beginning. Yeah. 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 When you made that decision, like, Oh, I'm, I guess I'm a musician now. I had an older brother that is five, five years older than I am. So, um, he introduced me to a lot of good music, like yeah. stuff. I still like Dylan when I was young, like Paul Simon, like yeah. good songwriters. So, um, at the time, honestly, I just wasn't, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be a musician. I just yeah. would steal his guitar when he was gone and play a chord and be like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. That's really what it was. It was very simple. It wasn't like I was yeah. even going to learn a song. I just wanted to play chords. Yeah. And then it just evolved. All my friends played music and I learned slowly, um, things from all of them played in a couple bands here and there. And then eventually realized after a couple band breakups and stuff that, um, instead of practicing guitar, I really f- just cared about songwriting. Yeah. I knew it was like, it's the story. That's what still today is like, what I relate to are other people's stories. So that's how it kind of started. One drum keeps us steady till the day comes. One by one it calls the names of all the saints, knows us by name. And though we've walked so long, our love's unbending, our legs are strong as we pray. I had an important question about necessity, and I know where Zach was going, so I'll ask it for Zach. When you say out of necessity, <laughs> that singing is out of necessity, is it more like eating out of nece- is that a necessity or like pooping is that a necessity? <laughs> I look at it more like um, <laughs> singing is uh, harder for some people than others. I've had to work like me. super hard at it. I can't sing at just, all. I'm just trying to sing key, dude. That's all. I'm, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but um, lifestyle, like getting good rest, like it's harder to sing when you're tired. It, you know, you eat bad food. If you drink too much, like so many things, like it really, uh, a lot of it has to do with your lifestyle. So it's easier to just have somebody else sing. Right. So that's kind of what I mean. And I'm excited yeah. for it to be unveiled because you act like, well, I just kind of have to sing when I'm playing guitar. And <laughs> so I get by. Yeah. So and go ahead, Andy. The Dylan and the Paul Simon influences make sense. Those are, those are two that I think of when I hear, when I hear your stuff, but I am, I am curious. Um, maybe we'll wait till later in your kind of personal story, just your approach yeah. to songwriting, because I think everybody's approach is very different. Yep. You know, I'm always fascinated. I care less maybe about putting a finer point on what that song means and more about just in general, how do you get there? Where do you start? What the process? Mm-hmm. What's the process? Yep. Yeah. What's the process? So we'll get there, Scott. That's a great question, Scott. I'm glad you asked. Wow. Hey, Andy, thanks for joining and becoming a full-time member of Bros Bible. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is great. I, I think I speak for the other two-thirds and now the other two-fourths uh, of this podcast. Uh, 
then we'll, welcome aboard. Yeah, but we'll be waiting your $10,000 investment that we all did it's put a, in. It's like a partnership, like a, <laughs> like a law firm, right? That's just think of it as planting a seed. And just, <laughs> God's going to make it grow. Investors, you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so circling a little bit back to your story, was God being somebody that you couldn't please or you weren't sure whether you're pleasing or not, was that a result of parental upbringing or the church you went to or just all the above? Both. Yeah. Yeah. Is there uh, any examples? Well, I mean, without, I've seen people change over the years. So like, I don't want to, you know, say that it's just the school I was brought up in or whatever, but <clears throat> I just, I just may disagree with a lot of things that, you know, they think about God. Right. Um, especially in the last like 10 years, um, my views on God have completely shifted than, than what they were. So, um, was there a trigger so, point? Yeah, I was going to... Sorry. Go, was there a I'll trigger edit point? No, 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 no. No, no, no. I'll edit so Jeff gets credit for the question. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you said it. It Was there a pivot point, a crossroads? Not even a crossroads, just a, a, a moment in time that flipped the switch. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say moment in time. I would say multiple moments in the last 10 years, mostly having to do with suffering. Um, that's what's changed it for me. And also, I either wasn't, um, hearing God before. And, um, now I do all the time, actually. Is there something that you have done in your life that you've, you're just more open to hearing? Um, I'm very open to hear. Um, are you talking about God? Yeah, I'm talking about God specifically in that some people are like, I can't hear, I don't hear God. I don't yeah. hear God at all. And that's, that's how I, um, I, I was for years I, and I would be upset and would pray and be like, I don't even know. this God not even listen, you know, at all. Right. Cause I'm asking, why don't you speak to me? Like my friends are all, you know, I think God showed me this thing. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, it just, it was obscure at the time. I'm still doing that by the way. <laughs> I'm doing that more than I ever did. What do you mean? Um, so, uh, when you say God, God talks to you, God speaks to you. Yeah. Um, for you is that, well, just describe that. Okay. Um, I've had multiple ways, uh, that he has spoken to me, but I had a dream two nights ago and he'll speak through somebody in a dream and it's as clear as can be. Hmm. It, I don't even question it. Is it Morgan Freeman? <laughs> it was Morgan Freeman. He was in this studio. It's kind of weird, like, because um, this has happened a couple times to me uh, at very specific times that I needed to, to hear this, mostly when I was really in suffering. Hmm. Um, but two nights ago, I had a dream, and he's like, I, I know it because um, I have the same feeling, and the feeling is that God is kind, and I know it when I see it every time. It's mm-hmm. unmistakable. And he said, do you, he's like, you know, he's like, uh, can I tell you something? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, uh, you are free from guilt. I'm like blown away. It's mm. like, that is a great gift, you know? And, um, I don't expect, um, I don't expect people to, uh, unless they've had similar experiences. Like, cause I remember people used to say stuff, um, like this. I'm just be like, dude, it's a dream, you know? Maybe. And who wouldn't want to hear they're free from guilt and just, just kind of have that. Yeah. But it was like hyper real for you, like in a way that it's, just cut through it, to your core. 
I know when I see it because I've had it happen. I've had it happen enough times before something else happens in my life that I like, I mean, I could, I, I could tell, you know, stories about other things that have happened that I simply can't explain otherwise than divine intervention. It just doesn't, there is no other way of explaining it. So, and then going, going back a little bit, you mentioned suffering. Was there a moment for you that helped facilitate the shift of viewing God through suffering in your life? Or was it people around you? Was there a specific point in that? Um, uh, do you mean, is there a specific point where something changed because of suffering in my view of God? Yeah. Was there like you going through suffering or dealing with something that made your view of God shift or you you just thought God, God can't be this old God that I believed in before. There, There has to be something else. Yes. What was that moment? The first, the first moment was that I had, um, I had absolutely struggled with anxiety for about a decade, debilitating at times where I literally couldn't leave the place I was staying. Um, and I had, uh, briefly been on an antidepressant and I actually felt like God didn't want me on an antidepressant and it made no sense to me because I couldn't function otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so I got off and I, and I started having anxiety again. It made no sense to me and I was so upset and it was so bad for 10 years, um, that I would just plead with God. Do you heal or don't you stop Mm -hmm. praying, give up, start praying again, plead with him over and over and over. And just like I begging, I will do anything to have this taken away. It just, it was affecting my life in such, such a bad way. And, um, I finally reached a crisis point where I gave up. Um, and it took a long time for me to get there. Um, and I had gotten sick and that's a trigger, you know, I started having anxiety and, um, I was staying at, uh, Ralph's place and, uh, I was sick for like about two months and it was really bad. I had like, um, uh, tonsillitis and I couldn't eat and Ralph would just bring me home milkshakes and like, (laughs) it was just like barely hanging on, just like really, really sick and just couldn't leave. And I finally reached the point where I was like, you know what? That's it for me. Like, I'm just going to get back on medication. I can't even leave the house. Like, this is just, I, I try, I've tried, you know, I thought I heard what God, it, God didn't want me on this. I'm not, and I'm not saying anything about medication. I do think some people need to be on medication. I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I decided I, I was starting to make doctor's appointments and, um, the girl I was um, dating at the time was like, you know, why don't you have, um, some friends come over? And just pray for you. I'm like, dude, I've had so many people pray for me. Like, you know, come <laughs> yeah. on, man. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm not opposed to it, right. but it's been a decade. You know, it's a long time. And um, so a few friends come over and uh, I'm in the bathroom and I'm peeing in the bathroom. Weird. Actually, no, I actually think this is, I actually think this is something to this. It's like vulnerable moment. <laughs> Like by myself. So let's check this off. Peeing in the bathroom. Check. Yes. Go ahead. Number two. <laughs> go to, go on no, to number two. I'm sorry. He was just doing a number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, I, I think, I think there's something to this also where it's not like, Hey, it's a formula. You just have people pray over you and what, yeah. or whatever. And it's, it's hard for me to explain. But I had a very clear thought that was not my own. That's the best way I can explain hmm. it, which is an odd thing. I, 
totally understand for somebody who's not experienced it. I get it. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear what it said, what the voice said. And it was, do you want to be released of this? And I was instantly crying. Just Mm -hmm. like, yes, I want to be released of this just in tears. Mm -hmm. And so I go out and my friends are awesome and they're praying for me and stuff. And, um, I, that was four years ago actually right about new year's and I have not had a single instance of anxiety ever since. Uh-huh. And I've done ever, I like used to not travel and now I travel I do whatever I want to. Going on a plane would, was, was a problem. Driving in a car two hours from home was a problem because <laughs> you're not in your safe space, you know? Right. Uh, so that was my first experience where I was like, there is something to this, you know, like, God healed me and I didn't even expect to ever be physically healed in my life. Was it, um, was it like a light switch? I mean, was it, Hey, from that moment or was it like, Hey, there was a quick progression and within a short amount of time. Nope. Instant. Because I went on a trip soon after that and it always got triggered when I traveled and I was like, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, what's going on? This is so weird. I'm not feeling anything. Oh, so you would travel anyway and just deal with it. I would take out a van or whatever I had to, to, because I was, I would tour, do other things sometimes. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I would still sometimes, I hated traveling, despised it. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my first experience that kind of turned it around for me. I experienced something that I never thought I would. And that's remarkable too, because sometimes when you're anxious about stuff or you're prone to that and you're not anxious, but then just thinking, well, this is usually when I get anxious can start the cycle and spin you off into this is, Oh, I'm not anxious yet. I'm starting. Okay. This is where I get anxious. Oh my God. Here it comes. I'm getting anxious about and, and nothing. And that didn't happen. And nothing. That's remarkable. That's, that's cool. And, and it, it, yeah, it's some, for some people it's instantaneous. Some people it takes time. Not everyone's the same. God doesn't always work the same. And some people die of cancer. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes quick and sometimes immediately. Yeah. Go. So two days ago you had the, you had the, Mm-hmm. Uh, the dream. Yeah. And you had talked about, you said you're free from this, the uh, guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have guilt like on your mind or like, was that based on what? Cause you, you had mentioned suffering just prior to that. Uh-huh. W- was there a link between the suffering and the guilt uh, in any way? And then all of a sudden it's like, you're free from guilt, but then, but somehow it's tied to the suffering. I don't know if it was necessarily tied to the suffering. I think that we, um, <clears throat> I think if we really search ourselves, most of us are dealing with shame on some kind of level. And that is some of the most intimate parts of us are the parts that we feel shameful about and don't say anything to anybody about. And that's what I kind of take it as is um, that I think God wants to release us of that, that he doesn't want us to have shame or guilt. And yeah. so it didn't have anything to do with suffering. It just had to do with probably things that, that, um, maybe I didn't even know that I was carrying that mm-hmm. I am being released from. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I, shoot, man, I have guilt and shame a lot. Um, but yeah, that's cool that it was. And what know. I love about this is when I hear a friend tell me a story about something that God spoke to them, that applies to you. That doesn't just apply <laughs> to me. That's, that's what I think, you know, our inheritance is as children of God, you know? I, it's not that I have a different inheritance that you do. You have a full, complete inheritance. Yeah. Like you get to be freed of, of shame and guilt the same way that God decided to tell me in a dream. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I'll just receive whatever he shows me. Yeah. You know? Scott, you just got prophesied <clears throat> over. <clears throat> really? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, re- I realize Hence the guilt and shame. <laughs> I realize what it is to have no shame and guilt like a child when my four year old just all out just sucker punches me. He's like, <laughs> like wow, he's not. He's Shame not fearful for, of anything. No, just not. No like guilt. you when you're out in your yeah. sweatpants in public. That's just a kid taking, <laughs> taking so advantage might, of opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that might be another Open another shop, point. Um, along with the 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 guilt and shame, or or not having guilt and shame. It's not about the or is it? There's still such a thing as sin, and you still commit those sins. And but even in among in, in the midst of that, you're you're forgiven of all your sins through the work of Jesus Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think how I look at that now is I think it's easy for a lot of people when you say um, the word sin, you know, and I'm sure you know what it means, like missing Mark and right. all that. You're aiming, aiming for something and you miss, right. You miss the target. So like, I guess the way I look at it is it's easy to look at that as a, uh, as a law transaction. You broke the law and that it's easy to look at it that way. I guess how I look at it now is that um, you are made in the image of your creator, which is love. You are designed to love other people and to love yourself. Um, And so when you act outside of what you were designed to do, there are natural things that go along with that. If you, you know, do things that you're not designed for, it's pretty simple. Like you, you run into trouble. Mm-hmm. And so I don't look at it as a law transaction. I look at it as um, that's not who you really are. A natural law transaction. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So I do, guess, do you yeah. think there are supernatural consequences to sin? That's a good question. I think, um, I think that you can go through uh torment, like in your own mind, you know, do you think that there are, consequences from God for your sin torment in your own minds. That's pretty, that's pretty tough, Scott. Can't that be enough? It's pretty bad. It's a bad one. It, it can be worse than physical torment. Yes. So absolutely. maybe we go back a little bit and what was, um, because where Scott is, I think, I think there's, you've changed. What we're hearing is what you believe about God and stuff mm-hmm. has changed yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, what was it that shifted you? How did you come out of your old view of God to where you're at now that, that didn't, that you didn't throw in the towel altogether? Cause a lot of people do. Yeah, They're just done with God. Yeah. Especially so, after 10 years of, of no answer, right? No answer. Zero. So on that. that that's a long time. And I don't think many people would blame you to go. It, there's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't end there. So a few years ago I was going through, uh, an interesting time where I was, um, going through huge transitions with music, um, left a band I was in and, um, lost the place I was living and just a lot of stuff shifted at the same time. And two weeks later, uh, I woke up and fell over because I had vertigo and it was like a violent vertigo, like Mm -hmm. couldn't stand up, fell over. And I thought I was having a stroke or something. You were on a boat in a huge storm. Yep. It, it's it's like the thing that you take for granted is like the world is stable, <laughs> right? If the world turned into a ship, it, it's the most nightmare situation you can imagine. And and I know a lot of people have had vertigo just for like a week or two. I had it for a year and a half. 
And so, mm-hmm. and beyond um, the equilibrium stuff, was it, did you also, I mean, was it like your stomach too, or was it? No, I got lucky on that. I okay. don't get sick when I'm dizzy, but, um, that doesn't change the fact that it, th- strangely enough, th- this was the darkest point of my life going through the first six months of yeah. having vertigo. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, I couldn't even move for a couple months. I couldn't even get out of bed. So what happens? You wake up in the morning. Yeah. And walk, walk us through it. What happens after you wake up? I was staying at my sister's house and I yelled for her and I was so confused. Like, cause then I, when I was lying down, I'm like, it's not spinning. And then when I sat up, it spun so violently and <clears throat> she took me to, uh, she took me to, um, a clinic and a PA misdiagnosed me and told me that if it didn't go away in a week to uh, go to a physical therapist. And I did. And they had me do all these movements and it completely screwed me up. It made me dizzy all the time instead of just some of the time. It was the worst thing that could happen to me. <laughs> We're going to want you to spin around for a little bit. Dude, Here. if it wasn't so bad, I would Merry think. Merry go round therapy. Which way are you, do you feel it spinning? Okay, we'll spin you the other way. And go. <laughs> If it wasn't a year and a half of hell, I, I would think it'd be comedy too. It was terrible, dude. It was brutal. Um, Stop laughing, Jeff. So did no, no, no. I, I get why it's. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know. So you, so you had basically two misdiagnoses or a misdiagnosis and then mistreatment. Mistreatment based on that diagnosis. Yes. How I long did. did it take you before you're like, this is not the answer? Uh, five seconds after we were done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, yeah. well, now I'm dizzy all the time and I could tell that they were like, oh, this isn't good. Yeah. You know, you saw the, oh shit look on their face. Yeah, yeah. I did. So I had, um, you know, and I had, I, I've had people say, oh, you should have, you know, you get a, quite a settlement from this, you know? And it's like, you know what, man, people get into the medical industry because they're trying to help people. This yeah. guy screwed up. Yeah. Maybe I should have told him like, Hey man, you totally blew it. Like you told me to do the wrong thing, but I, that's not, I, I just didn't look at it that way. But, um, first six months of this, man, it was dark. It was super dark because I, um, wasn't able to do pretty much anything. I could barely drive. I was still trying to write, you know, and it was extremely difficult time where God did not speak to me at all for six months. Zero. Holding on, we got swept away. Flowers chant in a Like one last breath Before we drown We're sinking fast Without a sound And how it looks How much of that is God not actually speaking? And this is all obviously hypothetical, but not actually speaking and Maybe you weren't in a spot where you were actually looking for it like you were at, at one point or that you are now. That's a good question, man. I mean, I, I asked him to speak and I was really mad and I was like, really, man, because I know you heal. You've done it before. I yeah. know you heal. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. I mean, I, I, let's let's put it this way. I didn't hear him. Take Six months goes by, run into a friend and his wife, and uh, they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, 
not good. <laughs> Wasn't trying to hide it at all. And I explained to them what was going on. A couple days later, he emailed me and he was like, you know what? God showed me that you're supposed to go to this chiropractor. I'm just like, okay, dude. Like, I God's not speaking to me. I don't want to hear this right now. Chiropractor. You know, I'm going to go to a specialist, you know, when I get some money together. Yeah. So, um, we also have essential oils for you to rub on. <laughs> to- totally. And some yeah. aromatherapy. Yeah. Yeah. Just step into this room and remove your clothing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so why are there mirrors everywhere? Dude, I wore a kimono for like two months. Yeah. That's so sade in the background. No offense, <laughs> essential oil people. <laughs> hey man, I'm a hippie too. So, um, <laughs> so i um i ended up having a dream where i was in this chiropractor's office and they adjusted my neck in the dream and i held my ear in the dream and in and i was like oh i'm healed in the dream i was like oh my god you gotta be kidding me what do you mean you held your ear in the dream i was like holding the ear that was hurt like that my vertigo was in oh it was it was so it was specific to one side my right side yeah Uh uh-huh and so in the, I had this dream and I was like, well, I guess I got to go see this chiropractor. Yeah. So I go in there and, you know, I don't know them. I'm just like, yeah, you know, okay. Like, I guess maybe this is, and he's like, I think we could help you. And he kept saying too, he's like, I, I feel like you're supposed to be here. There's other reasons why you're, why you're here. Both the, him and his wife both said that. The, the chiropractor, chiropractor said that. He did say that. Wow. Did you just say that, Jeff? Yeah. Pinch Pope. You me a Coke. <laughs> Whatever. You guys. <laughs> yeah. They both said that. They're both, they're, they both believe in, they both believe in God. Okay. Um, and so I was like, yeah, of course I'm supposed to be here. You know, keep paying you cash. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't know them. Right. And that's so the right they're all, that's the other reason. Holding the dollar up to the light. Yeah. That looks right. Yeah. We should it be says here. In God we yeah. yeah. That's legal tender. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. So he said, why don't you go see my wife at the front desk? Um, she takes care of all the financial stuff. And, um, she gets off the phone. She's like, Hey, your friend just called. And, uh, he and his wife are going to pay for your treatment for a full year. Uh I was like, wow, that's super generous. And, um, I was like, well, I have some money coming in. So why don't you let me know how much it is? And they're like, he said, you'd say that. So, So, um, these extremely generous friends, uh, paid for an entire year of treatment, which is a lot. And, um, I was doing it for about three months and uh, nothing was really happening. And so this is about nine months of being dizzy. It's a long time, man. Like every day you're getting up and the world is not steady. As the water rose, we tried to swim. It kept pouring down and the floods came in. We locked our hands. Like one last trust But the tide was strong Stronger than us And how it looks From where I stand Is you don't know The shape I'm in So I pulled you Is that, sorry to get into the detail, but is that like literally, hey, I'm going to try to go brush my teeth and it's all I can do to stay vertical. 
some days are worse were worse than others. I could drive most of the time. It okay. was just like it's hard to explain. It was like it was just like a, it was a steady dizziness that I was trying to get accustomed to. Um, and it wasn't like at that point. It wasn't like a crazy. It was just like I'm always dizzy. There's yeah. nothing I can you know do but try to um, adjust to this. So I kept going. I was every single time I could go to the chiropractor, and I had other friends. At the time, because I was staying at my sister's, trying to write, still trying to work. Other friends were putting me up. They're like, hey, you stay at my house on Monday. Stay at my house on Tuesdays. Other people were putting me up. And um, I, I couldn't have done it without without friends. It just wouldn't have happened. And so, um, yeah, about nine months in, I reached another point where I was like, man, I just don't think that this is like, uh, I heard something wrong, man. Something's totally wrong here. And I was just praying. I was like, God, like. You know, I don't want to waste my friend's money. Like you have to show me that this is like where I'm supposed to be. And I had another dream and, um, God spoke through a man. It's hard to explain, you know, dreams are weird and everything, but I knew what I was seeing. And I knew I was seeing God speak through this, this man, this man. It was a godlike figure. It's hard to explain. Morgan Freeman. Again, it was, more, it was Morgan. You, you want to get into who it actually was? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, God, if you yeah. have somebody, yeah. I, I do, actually. My good friend, Andy Dufresne. Tiny and This is going to make no sense, maybe to you guys. They would walk but, through the courtyard. Um, do you <laughs> want to go around and everyone has to guess everyone first? Gets this to is guess. better. Wait, I like give this. us like a kind of a ballpark. Yeah, yeah. Narrow the, narrow the field a little bit. That's not like even fair. Genre. No. Okay. Yeah, it's not like Napoleon or okay. any historical Let, figure, let's musician. Say an extremely gifted musician. Oh, Nice. John Bon Jovi. Okay. Bon Jovi. Mm. That's his choice. <laughs> Zach, your turn. That was says a lot. That was Andy's guess. Bon Jovi. Living on a prayer. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's Zach. Pretty good. Oh, man. All right. Skip Zach. Jeff. I, I think I've Jimmy got it. Bono. Hendrix. Jimmy right, Hendrix. So Jimmy Hendrix for Bono. Zach. You got Bono, Jeff? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm going to go with Danzig. Okay, Danzig. So no Chris Tomlin guys. It's Come not Danzig. Who wrote shout to the Lord? Oh Keith Green. Oh man. Too late. No. So to better explain this, um, a few years back, I went to see Daniel Lanois at a show at the Troubadour. Oh yeah. And I've never become a fan of somebody quicker as a musician than drummer Brian Blade. So this guy. It's hard to explain. I stared at him the entire gig. Kind of sounds like a porn name. Brian Blaine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of does. And moving on. So. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. So, Brian, uh, if you ever <laughs> get the uh, the chance to see him live, I highly recommend it. He looks like this is where he belongs. Like he has joy yeah. when he is drumming. It's so next level. He's the most musical drummer I've ever seen in my entire life. The best drummers I know will like constantly post videos of him. Let's put it this way. There were famous drummers at the gig watching him. I was looking at famous yeah. drummers there watching Brian blade. Yeah. So what I took this as a representation was a joy teacher. That's who I took this as in the mm. dream. If that makes sense. I've never told this to anybody, by the way, oh. I'd never explained the details of the dream. A BBB pod exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it was God. That's what I'm trying to. So he comes in and stands in front of this piano that I'm sitting at. And I start complaining about my ear. And I'm just complaining. You know, it's, it's bad in a dream when it's a long time in a dream that you're yeah. complaining. You know, yeah. Even, you know. And finally, when I stopped, he leans in over the piano and he says, but you're healing. And I was like, 
that's it. I have to hold on to this now. I'm in the process of healing and I just have to accept that that's what I'm in the middle of right now. And I know that he heals on the spot because he's done it to me before physically. And now I know it's in a process healing. And it took a year and a half. It took months more of healing. A year and a half of vertigo. Yeah. And I think it had also to do with emotional things too. I needed to be emotionally healed from stuff too at the same time. And that's what I didn't know. Yeah, that stuff's connected. I think so. I think it is. It can be. Yeah. Some yeah. stress triggers or yeah. even outside of anxiety, there yep. could be some stress. Yep. I think so. That's some of the things that kind of the Eastern way, Eastern medicine is tapped into a little bit better than, well, a lot better than Western medicine. Doesn't They don't really have something. And I think they're starting to bridge that gap between emotional and physical and how everything mm-hmm. is connected and works together. Yeah. Western medicine. It'll no, that, that, that too. Bertation. I just put beer in it. You'd be better about it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> if you're talking about stress, then Western medicine identifies it. It pretty easily. It's like, oh yeah, stress will cause X, Y, and Z. Right. That's it's true. just that they want to expand it always beyond. Right. And yeah. we're gonna try some different drugs and see what works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about again? <laughs> New laws passed. Huh. Sorry. Yeah. Um, politics. Facebook. Well, that's cool. Facebook. So then, so then you had a instant healing, and then a, one that took a while. That, that's pretty cool. I, in a way, <laughs> I'm yeah. glad. I, I'm glad you went through that. Out the other side of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't wish vertigo on anybody or anxiety. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I, I did learn a lot through the process. Um, I reached some amazing lows, you know, the last few years, just profound lows where I, I, I've said this before, like I wasn't suicidal, but I did not want to live anymore. I didn't want to be on this planet anymore. Um, and God took me out of it, took me out of the pit, you know, that I was in. Um, mm. and when I think that came through you giving up a little bit. You know, I, yeah, I've had friends say something like that, but um, no, I think okay. I just, for whatever reason, like that's just kind of the point where he meets us at, like at those points of just absolute yeah. at your end end, like right. end was miles back and now you're at your true end where you're like, I really, this truly is the end now. Like, I just can't do this anymore, you know. Maybe soon I'll shake these goals. Face.